So I've seen over the years, many people make bucket loads of money out of real estate, but I've certainly seen people over the years be derailed from real estate, from advice, um, from really not having a working understanding of what can happen behind the scenes when it comes to real estate. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, we're going to code crack. I'll tell you what, we're going to dig into what pisses me off about the real estate community. Yes, I'm blowing the whistle. We're going to get into some of the danger zones many property investors find themselves in when it comes to real estate by virtue of the way the industry kind of works. I'm going to lift the lid on this one, folks. So stay tuned, buckle up. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk property. We're going to talk problems in the real estate marketplace. And of course, some of the pitfalls and challenges that you may be exposed to as a real estate investor. So I tell you what, thanks for tuning in. And if it's your first time coming along to the Urban Property Investor, Welcome aboard. We're a mad bunch in this tribe, but we love real estate. And a big part of my journey is simply sharing information, which I've learned over three decades of being involved in the real estate community. I tell you what, if you don't know much about me, my background today is very much talking on behavioral economics when it comes to real estate, but I have been involved in all facets of real estate you can imagine. And over the last really two decades, have been involved in uh, being a buyer's agent, but also uh, coming into really an investment specialist when it comes to real estate. So I've seen over the years, many people make bucket loads of money out of real estate, but I've certainly seen people over the years be derailed from real estate, from advice, um, from really not having a working understanding of what can happen behind the scenes when it comes to real estate. Today, I've put together my top 11 things that really piss me off about the real estate industry. And I want to share them with you so that you can absolutely start to read between the lines in some of the things that occur in real estate Make sure you're doing business with really a trusted team, people, professionals, buyers, agents, finance brokers, whoever it may be, that absolutely have your best interest at heart and, of course, can help you navigate through what is quite often a very dangerous marketplace uh, full of pitfalls and problems. So I want to give you some insights into potentially um, how not to end up the clickbait. And really the first uh, thing that really pisses me off about real estate is without question the clickbait that is out and about in real estate. Now, once upon a time, um, certainly when advertising was done more conventionally through real estate uh, newspapers and, and of course websites, I felt that clickbait was not such a thing. 
because regulators had a very good visibility on the real estate marketplace. Now, of course, regulators are very challenged to see what is occurring inside of real estate because Facebook really is the biggest advertiser of real estate today. And of course, a lot of the real estate when it comes to investment is driven through Facebook and many property investors really are served what they want to see. And quite often that can be from uh, people that really, um, you know, are questionable when it comes to the credibility of what they've done, the results they've had. And, uh, and of course, uh, some of that Facebook clickbait and the depth of skill of the people advertising as gurus of real estate need to be questioned. And I like to kick off this conversation of really the top 11 things that piss me off about real estate around number one being clickbait. And I think it's fair to say today with um, just how accessible good content is in the real estate community that for the most part, if a group is advertising to you and they don't have podcasts or they don't have visibility or Facebook groups or things like this, you've got to really question really are they just selling you a product or are they trying to build wealth alongside you? And today you're listening from a podcast and I absolutely think the best players in this industry are highly ranked on podcasts and I can tell you the best of the business really do um, you know, put out great content for not only their raving fans but also for the general public to learn new skills and ideas and really equip themselves to play this thing called real estate. So be careful who you're listening to is the first thing that pisses me off about real estate. I think there's certainly um, always some gurus out there that uh, put it out there that they can make you money quite quickly and uh, certainly that clickbait without question lures people in. Now, if I was to go on Facebook and put an ad up, I'm going to make you $200,000 guaranteed um, from real estate, do you think I would get a few leads? Absolutely I would, right? And uh, certainly this type of behavior used to be better policed in the real estate economy. But today, of course, with Facebook and with quite often Facebook serving different people different things, you can imagine uh, even sometimes the regulators don't get to, to uh, even be on top of this stuff. So just because it's on Facebook doesn't mean it's uh, valid. Um, how do I screen really the real deal property um, people and people who are uh, just Facebooking? I would say the depth of content is really, really important. Um, and again, I think the the you know the top podcasts in Australia are usually driving some of the best content. And of course, um, you know, one would argue, particularly in the property sector, you know, if people are delivering content without question, their education focus, if they're education focused, they've probably got your best interests at heart. So that's the first thing. Second thing that pisses me off it also comes from Facebook. And I call it Facebook Jan or Facebook Karen. 
We've all heard of COVID Karen, annoying COVID Karen who uh, uh, had too many walks around her local community and um, complained about COVID. But I think for uh, a lot of people in the real estate community, they can do a better job as property investors than asking people on Facebook their opinion. And of course, um, I'm all one for community. I've got some great Facebook communities and I think you know some great questions and banter and conversation pieces do arrive from things like Facebook groups. But don't make a $500,000 decision by some asking someone on Facebook, you know, what their uh, opinion is and then taking their opinion as gospel. Obviously, people talk on Facebook, talk on social media. It's a great social network. But don't really misinterpretate the social side of it with proper, great, foundational real estate advice. So my first thing that pisses me off is without question uh, the fake clickbait. Second thing is really um, Facebook and asking Jan questions and then, of course, uh, potentially going and acting on those questions. The third thing that pisses me off about real estate and property investment and trying to make money out of this thing called real estate is... Uh, quite often we can let really people with, um, I guess, no vested interest in us as humans, no vested interest in where we're going on this journey of property investment derail us. And a classic example of this is quite often, for example, in Queensland, Queensland real estate agents are really well known for this. They, as soon as they work out that someone is from outside the city, uh, they're not from Queensland, sometimes they call us Southerners, uh, very, it's very common that many real estate agents will basically meddle with the price to get the listing to sell the property at a discount. What I've seen so often in real estate in uh, particularly southeast Queensland is Brisbane agents will, uh, for example, uh, you know, as soon as they work out that you're from outside of Brisbane, they immediately realize if they can scare you, say you pay too much for property, uh, tell you that, you know, no one in Brisbane would ever live in that part of Brisbane they can win your listing and they sell real estate on fear. They win business on fear. They create a lot of fear and anxiety for many property investors who bought real estate and they don't live nearby. What they go and do is fear-based list the real estate at much lower than really what the real estate is worth. They do this for turnover. Now, I've been enrolled in real estate a very long time. Um, I'm trying to master this thing called real estate. Uh, I've been involved in investment businesses in real estate, retail businesses in real estate. I'm involved in the oldest retail residential real estate franchise in Australia. It's over 100 years old. And really, uh, during that period of of my life, I've I've got to... 
recruit great people, work alongside fabulous people as part of a team. And I've got to interview a lot of people. And quite often one of the things that is brought up, um, particularly in Queensland, is uh, quite often when I go to interview people, one of the skill sets that some agents bring to the business or try and bring to the business is this idea that they can create listings through fear and sell properties in volume by almost like cheating the market. And of course, they never get the job with me. And it's something which just really irks me. It pisses me off no end that some good person's gone to such hard work to buy real estate, hold it, and then they're meddled with by an agent who potentially has only been in the industry a couple of years. And of course, they create these patterns of thinking that the person from Sydney or Melbourne or Perth or Adelaide has bought a really dud property and as such, they meddle with them until they sell and of course, those people cheat them out of big opportunities to create capital growth. Now, I had a client which I helped buy literally three years ago in Brisbane. They bought this really nice house in the middle ring of Brisbane. They paid like $550,000 for it. They uh, basically wanted to sell. They decided just after three years that um, they wanted to get out of real estate. Now, I told them, hey, uh, your asset is about to skyrocket in value. Brisbane's about to boom. Please don't do this. The uh, agent, though, got into their ear and told them that they... Um, the market was going to go down, that there was an oversupply coming in their suburb, that um, Brisbane itself was going to be oversupplied and started feeding fear. And lo and behold, the client, who was a bit vulnerable, going through a bit of a rocky time in their life, took the fear and sold the property. And what's so interesting to me now, just sort of um, a, a literally uh, a few months after this process unfolded was just how valuable that real estate is right now. And I rang the client and I said to the to the client, you know, I hope you're doing well. I know you're going through a rough drop, um, but I just wanted you to know if you could have held on for a couple more months, the price now for that asset is much higher. It's jumped uh, close to $75,000 and it looks like it'll probably head on into being worth you know over $100,000 more uh, in just three years. That, that, that's an extreme outcome. And the client talked to me in very candidly and said that at the time they kind of went through this momentary almost like scotoma which was about uh, almost like going blind and listening to the noise. And they listened to this agent and they were deeply regretful that they'd listened to someone put so much fear into them. Remember, agents get listings through either promising to sell your real estate for more than what it's worth or making you very, very, very nervous around what you own. As a property investor, we really want to be uh, well-conditioned that uh, we're not going to fall for the fear factor, okay? There are some great real estate agents out there and they'll do a great job, of course, 
at just telling you what the market price is, uh, whether to buy, hold, or sell, and really are not trying to make you do a transaction. And they're the real estate agents I like to know. They play a longer-term game, um, and certainly I've got to know them over the years with my assets that I own real estate in. And I think it's a really crucial thing for people who own real estate um, anywhere, whether it's local or interstate, get to know a real estate agent. Not that you're looking to ever sell, but just someone who's willing to be a community-based realtor to serve your needs and and really help you comprehend um, the value proposition of your asset on any given day without um, putting fear into your skin that it is time to sell and you've done the wrong thing. Third thing that pisses me off about real estate is absolutely real estate agents that are dirty-handed. Can't stand them. They annoy me. Now, the fourth thing is buyer's agents. Yes, buyer's agents. Do they piss me off? Well, not all of them. 75% of them are great. 25% of them, though, really absolutely piss me off. I think the best buyer's agents, as I alluded to, in fun fact, number one, probably have a great podcast and, and are worth listening to and doing business within if you're in their patch or, or area to, to, to buy real estate with them. But what I can tell you about the buyer's agency space, if you like, is licensing-wise, real estate agents that um, fundamentally can either help someone buy real estate and sell real estate are generally more qualified than a buyer's agent. There was a period there where really you could get a buyer's agency license out of a packet of Cocoa Pops. And uh, you could fundamentally buy one. They're about a thousand bucks or something, particularly you're in New South Wales, and use that buyer's agency license to almost like start this kind of side hustle dynamic in real estate. There's even um, today side hustle courses of being a buyer's agent. Really, um, the idea of those side hustle courses is more about you making, you know, five or $10,000 as a side hustle rather than necessarily being a great buyer's agent. And of course, as I alluded to, there's good real estate agents, there's bad ones, there's good buyer's agents, there's bad ones. Certainly, many buyer's agents piss me off. And they do this thing, which I often refer to as self-liquidating a deal. Quite often, a buyer's agent will have this kind of claim that they do off-market deals. And uh, it's kind of a bit of a buzzword. You know, you're buying off-market. Really, um, the best way to understand quite often one of the things that occurs inside the industry with buyer's agents is they'll team up with a selling agent. They'll be licensed very, very different. But a selling agent will go around um, talking to vendors about potentially selling their property. They will explain to the vendor that they have an active buyer's agent ready to buy um, or bring a buyer to the asset. Um, the vendor will agree to list the property and take it um, to, to, to the agent on the basis that it never goes on the market. And then the selling agent 
who has taken quite often this property out of the property management rent role which they they manage, um, then talks to a buyer's agent about exclusively buying this property. So uh, the buyer's agent then, of course, basically advertises to their group of supporters that they have fundamentally got this deal off market um, and it's it's all pre-arranged. And in real estate, we often refer to this as, as self-liquidating, right? So you have a property management rent roll. You're the selling agent. You want to take a property out of your rent roll and list it. You're going to use some sort of technique to make the investor inside of that rent roll as a landlord sell their real estate. One of the techniques often used is to say, we don't need to put it on market. We're going to use a buyer's agent. The buyer's agent, obviously, is um, interested in the idea that they can promote that the deal is not online, it's nowhere to be seen, and it is some sort of special deal. They then promote the deal, um, place a new investor into the deal. Um, That new investor then joins the property management service of the selling agent, and the selling agent retains the listing or the property management to do it all again three or four years later. And there's this kind of circle of influence and an investor in the middle. What I really pisses me off about this is, was that real estate given the best chance to sell at the best possible price? Do we even know if the buyer ended up paying the right price because the real estate was never market tested? In other words, quite often to find market value, you need a few willing buyers and willing sellers to see where the real estate actually um, is. And it is very, very common today, particularly um, in northern pockets of Brisbane, for buyer's agents to do what we call self-liquidating. They basically team up with a selling agent who works out um, how to list the property and use the buyer's agent as fundamentally um, the, the, the sales solution. So it's almost like vertically integrated. And one would argue it would probably be more um, you know, ethical and definitely um, potentially in the buyer's best interest to see where, the, where that real estate really sits within the side the market. So that pisses me off. The fifth thing that pisses me off about real estate is fake awards. Yes, people get a lot of fake awards inside the real estate industry and absolutely get fake awards inside much of the media within real estate. Now, uh, there's all sorts of awards across all sorts of industries and there's nothing wrong with giving someone a pat on the back and encouraging them to be better than them what they are. Probably what pisses me off most about real estate investment, it's definitely probably the magazines associated with real estate. Um, They quite often sell awards. So you can become, you know, the real estate um, uh, investment agent of the year. It's really simple. You simply just pay for it 
and you're given and granted such a title. Uh, again, it really irks me because a lot of people, for whatever reason, can't read between the lines when it comes to uh, fake news and the fake media. The fake media are happy to absolutely take um, uh, some money and cash for comments, I guess you would call it, and turn um, someone into a excellent proposition by virtue of awards. And uh, again, there is there is really um, uh, you you can ring the magazines yourself and ask for the payment structure to win an award. It's absolutely bonkers, right? So again, I think um, what pisses me off about that is so many property investors almost like um, you know, I guess see this kind of testimonial from the award and then and then almost like feel so much faith that they're doing the right thing by using that particular person or group or whatever it may be. So just be wary about that kind of stuff. Um, certainly some awards are very well earned and uh, very well deserved, but other awards are without question um, just a matter of, you know, filling out a web form or making a payment, or making a contribution, or buying some advertising space, and as such, you you get awarded. If you're going to be a magazine's best customer and buy advertising space off them, um, you are going to get the award. That's really how it works. And so, some of the biggest spenders within advertising get some of the best awards. That's that's the nature of the beast. But I just want you to understand what is behind the scenes with this stuff so you can absolutely make your own decisions when it comes to, um, you know, who to assess to work with within the real estate section. Probably the sixth thing that really pisses me off about real estate is foreign investment into the real estate community and really the real estate that many foreigners buy just sucks. Local people wouldn't actually buy it and it becomes an eyesore on the community. Um, we as citizens of the country often look at these big horrendous um, apartment precincts and go, what the fuck, who the hell lives there? Why does someone want to be part of that? And of course, what is actually happening is foreign investors are, uh, fundamentally moving money from overseas, more or less money laundering money out of their um, country into Australia. And the Australian government and state governments all encourage it because that more supply um, creates better affordability in rents and better affordability overall because you know, fundamentally the market has to deal with more supply. But the foreign investor, um, you know, quite often they're just buying assets again which really, uh, you know, you can't swing a cat in. The local market doesn't want it. And if anything, um, from a, uh, a viewpoint of just seeing buildings which are ugly, um, it really irks me, really pisses me off about real estate. That There's just so many ugly apartment complexes out there. Hence why when I find good ones, I don't mind actually investing in them because there's just so many bad ones out there which uh, really irked me and pissed me off. The uh, seventh thing, are we up to the seventh? I don't know. I think we're up to the seventh is 
real estate investors that have no doctrine. They, oh man, they piss me off. So many investors out there, um, and I mean people who want to go for it as a property investor, have no doctrine. They have no roadmap. They have no idea where they're, where they're going. Um, they don't um, really have a time plan. They, their goals are not time-bound. Um, they don't know what they value. They're just sort of feeling their way through this thing called property and it really irks me because there are so many good groups out there to work with and planners and and coaches and mentors and and agents and buyers agents that really can take what uh, you may or may not yet know and put it in a plan and help you get to where you want to go faster. And I think what irks me and pisses me off about real estate is a lot of people are just scared of like um, the idea around, you know, um, uh, paying for a little bit of advice and and just getting some professionals to work for them. And I often think that, you know, that fear of spending a couple of thousand dollars is uh, is because we're not having conversations like what I'm telling you. Um, and I really want this show to really highlight that potentially you can navigate to a very good investment group or buyer's agent. Um, just understand really uh, that there is a lot of mess out there in the real estate community, and if you can start to work through the danger zone of of the the people you do not want to do business with, there are some great people to absolutely do business with. And again, little tip, you know, the best are probably well-received on podcasts and things like that today and got great views online. Um, you know, they're, they're the people giving the content, building the community, helping the investors of tomorrow succeed. And, uh, you know, again, it's not a plug for, to work with me, but I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, if a guy's putting shit on Facebook clickbaiting you and then he's got no content, what the hell do you want to do business with that guy for? Uh, because, uh, again, investors with no doctrine, no roadmap, find themselves years later in a property they shouldn't have bought in an area they don't know anything about with tenants that fundamentally are half a week away from being broke. That does not sound fun to me. I guess uh, when it comes to this idea of building wealth through property, you know, one of the challenges and what pisses me off about real estate is the idea of confirmation bias. Um, that uh, again, um, certain people in the industry, um, many financial planners, for example, have confirmation bias about property. They don't understand it, so they direct people away from it. And this is quite often where you see, in particular, in financial planning, uh, far more confirmation bias around going into equities over real estate. And I think, again, for people building this thing called wealth, they need to be able to call out their accountant or financial advisor and say, hang on a minute, are you a real estate accountant? Are you a real estate financial advisor? My doctrine is about real estate. And again, it comes back to your doctrine. What are you trying to achieve and what tools are you going to use to get there? And again, if you don't know, your financial advisor is probably going to use some sort of confirmation logic that they have 
to direct you into something that they know for you to go to. And that may not be the best thing for your wealth creation journey. Absolutely. Uh, now, I think we're up to nine. Are we up to nine? I think we're up to nine. Are we up to eight? I can't remember. The ninth thing that really pisses me off about real estate is venture capitalists. Yes, venture capitalists. Jesus. Now, these venture capitalists, oh, man, I'm going to say, fuck, they annoy me. Um, and they use people almost like as guinea pigs to create this kind of tech business which is going to revolutionize and change the whole freaking world. And again, they bait people with special offers, usually for free uh, or for some sort of, um, you know, low-cost product so that they um, can re-advertise that. Everyone's joining and doing this kind of like tech thing with inside the real estate sector. Now, venture capitalists have come and gone and they continue to come and gone because they're actually not driven through uh, the idea of being profitable as a business. They're actually propped up by seed capital from capital raisers. Now, think of, um, you know, I think sort of two years ago we had, you know, what was it, Purple Bricks come through Australia. Um, they'd never made a profit. They pitched that they will sell your real estate for basically um, a can of Coke. They um, will sell it for a, you know, a couple of thousand dollars flat fee or whatever it was. And, you know, many people obviously um, didn't take up the offer because they soon went into, um, you know, uh, basically insolvency inside of Australia and had to leave, right? Because they had never made a profit. It was all about venture capital. It was about the idea of some starting something adventurous, putting capital in from investors and hoping the business comes together. And again, um, purple, in Purple Bricks' um, case, I'm not sure if they liquidated or, or went insolvent or just uh, but whatever happened, they left the industry, right? And you see this now inside of property management. There is so many property management little businesses that claim that they can manage your property for $20 a week or, you know, $100 a month and driven by basically outsourcing their entire model uh, to, to get a result. And there's some, you know, uh, companies today which are just doing my head in that someone who spent $500,000 buying a property wants to use a venture capitalist to manage their real estate. These companies have never made a profit. In fact, they go through so many capital raises to build their business platform. Usually within a couple of years, they are exiting the, the, the scene, so to speak. Um, and they sell A-class shares, B-class shares. They raise so much money. And I often do um, a little bit of sort of dialogue with them from a business-to-business sort of dynamic, they always contacting me and sort of saying, hey, you know, we're um, this company and we're backed by this person or we've, and I, I, I ask them, have you ever made a profit? Has your business ever made a profit? And the short answer is no, they're propped up through venture capital. 
Don't let your property investment journey become a science experiment. Really, those businesses are treating you like a science experiment. You're falling for the bait of, you know, a $100 property management fee a month, and then they're outsourcing based on the idea that they've come up with this new and improved way to do property management and be technologically advanced. And of course, um, they're propped up again by basically capital being raised to make sure they're in business. What was so interesting about um, certainly the lockdown experience with COVID is just how useless many of these venture capital businesses actually are at property management. Take away um, the the actual, uh, you know, I guess sticker of of it being so exciting and brand new and amazing. All of a sudden, when it comes to coronavirus and um, dealing with rent relief and dealing with all of the real challenges inside of society, many of these venture capitalists, particularly property management businesses, ended up actually. Um, you know, virtually going out of business. And if you look at the star rating on some of the uh, more well-known ones, oh my God, they get like a two-star rating, can-star rating, because they just simply are not businesses to help people succeed long-term. They're basically built on the model that if they come in rapid fire and win your business, um, they will eventually be able to sell as a venture capitalist business. And of course, the venture capital investor is betting on this fast, rapid fire uh, acceleration into the market, grabbing market share, and then flicking the business. And guess what? You're just a simple property investor who wants to get their rent and see their asset grow. And you've surrendered all of that over to venture capitalists. Pisses me off no end in the real estate community. Don't do it. Steer clear of venture capitalists. Just work with a good real estate agency. And for me, I always think the best real estate agents to work with when it comes to property management is whereby the core foundation of that business is an investor business. Uh, investors are in charge. Investors want to see the result. Um, and of course, uh, because investors are in charge, they understand investment. That's the reality of it. The 10th thing that pisses me off about uh, real, the real estate industry, um, and it is also linked to property management, is uh, it's a bit of a Queensland thing, to be honest with you, is uh, mum and dad or Ma and Pa Kettle, the property manager who bought an on-site management rights. In Queensland, there is a thing called on-site management rights. What that fundamentally means is um, strata schemes and uh, community schemes where there's more than one property, basically uh, commonly in Queensland, appoint an on-site manager, someone to be the caretaker of that complex. And again, just like buyer's agents, 75% of them are great, 25% of them are shit. Real estate agents, 75% of them are good, 25% of them want to spook you. Uh, On-site managers, 75% of them are great and 25% of them are just terrible. What they do is if they are lazy, if they um, 
really just bought the uh, on-site management business for the income stream that comes out of getting paid to be on-site from the Stratus game as well as being paid to be the small little property manager at the actual building. They sometimes take the piss. And I've seen some value drop in real estate inside of those strata schemes um, horrendously because the on-site manager won't take out the bins. It's his job to take out the bins. Why does he take out the bins? All of a sudden, because he won't take out the bins, there's rubbish piling up. All of a sudden, people don't want to live there, so a less impressive tenant moves in, and all of a sudden, this value proposition disappears overnight of this great property, it turns into a, a fundamentally a slum. So on-site managers that manage like a slum lord are a big no-no for me. And again, I've, there's some great on-site managers that are revolutionizing what it means to own a property in a, um, in a strata scheme. They're doing things like, you know, um, literally, uh, you know, co-shared bicycles and creating community and creating vegetable gardens and um, running the complexes like they are there to serve the people that live inside those complexes, which is just fantastic. Adds so much value to the real estate. And then you got the polar opposite, uh, the missing manager who's taking the piss out of many uh, people who um, quite often are investors sight unseen from different places and they just let the complex deteriorate and deteriorate while, while you're paying them to actually um, see your asset deteriorate. And it pisses me off no end. Um, I've actually tried to take um, one on-site manager to court. We had a bit of a stoush when it came to um, her opinion of on-site management and certainly my opinion of on-site management. Um, we ended up having a bit of a blue, suing each other, so to speak. And um, I still think I was battling for for justice of the investors and, you know, none of these things ever work out inside um, mediation because your lawyer is just charging you a bucket load. So you're like, oh, got to give up on this thing. But I tell you what, on-site managers also, what pisses me off about them is quite often because they bought a property management business, fundamentally, they paid a bucket load of money for it to buy it. They don't want to lose managements. So when an asset is sold off from an investor to an owner-occupier, that means that on-site manager is losing the value of their asset and fundamentally losing money. And so quite often what I've seen is really bad management so that the investment never sells to an owner-occupier, only ever attracts another investor who buys on the return and uh, the on-site manager gets to liquidate the business. In other words, they sell an investment property to another investor who buys the investment property off another investor and the manager gets to retain the business. This, to me, just pisses me off no end. As a property investor, we want to buy real estate, which attracts an owner-occupier to buy off us. So if we do sell, we're taking that property to the real marketplace, um, to things like the auction marketplace, and we're getting a really good price for it. 
We don't want to be messing about with some sort of investor sale to another investor sale. If you're really selling your asset to another investor, you've got to question what has happened during that process for you not to attract an owner-occupier to buy that asset off you. A lot of the time, what pisses me off about real estate is on-site managers. They seem to almost, it's like watching a prize fight and you know the boxer is basically, um, one of the boxers is basically throwing it and uh, not swinging air punches and not throwing uh, or fighting. Really what you see, um, you know, um, quite often in the industry is this kind of um, dynamic, right? And it really pisses me off. It's something to be really, really aware of when it comes to on-site managers. I actually wrote a book about that one, um, a little property management guide to understanding all these kind of little nuances. And uh, certainly, as I alluded to, what I'm just trying to flag to you is the shit that goes on behind the scenes. And unless you're across it, um, you know, you, you may just be cheated out of a big opportunity to make a lot of money out of real estate because the vested interests of people inside the industry coming up with like ways to win your business. Now, I ended up starting a retail real estate business because I got, um, you know, I, I really wanted to create a solution for investors where they can get their property management done by an investor who never wants to sell their real estate. Um, They can work with retail um, agents in the industry without having to actually ever be prospected or pressured to sell. And I can tell you, you know, I do that because ethically, I really want people to go the distance in real estate, never want them to sell um, I don't want them to fall prey to to this kind of like marketplace, which is hunting. Remember, real estate is designed where you're a target, right? Um, real estate agents have to hunt people to sell real estate. And of course, if we're the prey and real estate agents the hunter, uh, obviously there's going to be a bit of drama along the way. And so that drama is played out quite often in uh, in that dynamic. The final thing that pisses me off about real estate is certainly real estate agents that are not in the cloud. Yes, isn't it crazy to think that so many corner real estate agents, mum and dad, corner realtors, which have done a great job over the last 30 years, it's a really aging dynamic at the moment. And many of those businesses are just no longer reinvesting in their business model. They are not taking the profit they make and reinvesting it into retained earnings and building their business model. And for many property investors, they've aligned their asset with declining business models. And again, this really irks me about the real estate industry is that many, many uh Realtors that own small um, to medium-sized businesses just don't keep up with the solutions when it comes to uh, uh, really um, where they should be from a systems point of view. They're not even in the cloud. Your information's stuck on a server in their office. It's nuts. It's crazy. It's 2021. In 2021, 
Um, that stuff should not be happening. And again, I think it really all does come down to uh, you as a property investor really being uh, and having a good comprehension of what is value and really what is just uh, churn inside the industry. And I think, um, again, all these little things cheat people out of big opportunities when it comes to seeing their real estate double in value. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that um, podcast today. You may never do anything in the real estate section again because it sounds so corrupt and horrible. But I tell you what, it's definitely not the case. There is so many good people inside the real estate industry that will help you succeed. I've literally met so many fantastic human beings that um, the spirit of becoming wealthy out of real estate is very possible. I've met people who want to game change urbanity, people who inside the industry, every spare moment they get, they give back to charities like the Starlight Foundation, to Movember, uh, to Room to Read. Um, I've met people who literally at a community level are the fabrics and pillars of their suburbs. They give so much back to local sporting teams and, um, and really are just amazing human beings inside the real estate industry. I hope today I haven't shocked you about really the good people inside the real estate sector. I just want you to be aware that there are some bad apples and they are just creating business models which churn and because they churn, they churn you. So don't ever fall into the playbook of being part of their space. All you got to do is simply choose to do business with the right people. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I will catch you next time on the next installment, The Urban Property Investor. Thanks for tuning in to The Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of The Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.